Welcome to ADHD Crash Course, the podcast for those of us who are always learning about ADHD. My name is Danae Cannon and I'm your host. I'm an occupational therapist, a certified coach, a mom of more than one child with ADHD, and I have ADHD. So welcome to the podcast. We're in this together and let's jump in. Welcome to ADHD Crash Course. Today is all about positivity or optimism. We're going to talk about the concept of toxic positivity, the approach of practicing positivity, and the whole idea of optimism versus pessimism. So let's talk about toxic positivity. You hear this a lot. You hear this term thrown around a lot. People are aware that only being positive about something, only recognizing the positive aspects isn't always that helpful for any of us. And that's maybe a shift from this older mindset of like, keep it positive, only look on the bright side. And so what, what do we do with that? Let's dive in a little bit about toxic positivity, what exactly that is and why it's not helpful. I tend to think of this as fragile positivity versus toxic positivity, because to me, this kind of sums it up a little bit more accurately. Fragile positivity is positivity that cannot exist with any kind of duality. Fragile positivity says if, if I can't be the only player here, I'm not showing up. And fragile positivity is threatened by the by the negative aspects of things. Toxic positivity, it can be toxic to people, right? It can be harmful to people. But I think that the heart of that is that the person on the other end is struggling with just the duality of things can have both. There can be good and bad in a situation. Only allowing the positive isn't necessarily the healthiest way to manage the negative or to manage your experience of the negative. And even something that's like painful or difficult, toxic positivity, the answer it gives is let's just focus on the bright side. Let's let's not acknowledge that negative aspect of this. So why is this kind of positivity so harmful? There's probably a lot of views on this, a lot of perspectives, but I can tell you from my personal experience, my personal perspective is that when we deal with life events with this kind of positivity, it's like that game with the mole heads. You know, the game where you hit with a hammer, you hit the mole head down and then another one pops up in another place. That is dealing with a negative experience with toxic positivity. Insisting that that negative emotion, that negative experience isn't happening does not make it go away. It just smashes down that one little mole head and it pops up somewhere else. If I have the experience of being, let's say, really angry with my spouse and I insist that that's not happening and that he's really just a great person and I shouldn't really be negative, that doesn't make my experience go away. It makes it kind of shapeshift or pop up somewhere else. You know, maybe I'm going to be short with a coworker, or maybe I'm going to be down on myself, but not just looking at that experience and acknowledging what is real for me. Yeah, this comment hurt my feelings. It was frustrating. You know, what I do with that, it's up to me, but toxic positivity doesn't give any space for that real experience of the negative. And there is a difference between acknowledging an emotion and getting stuck on it, getting in a place of rumination where you're not moving forward. But you do, I believe you do need to acknowledge the negative to be able to move forward. So I want to talk about the difference between this toxic positivity, this fragile positivity, and the practice of positivity because they are different. So let's define practicing positivity, what I refer to as practicing positivity. That is the active process of stretching your thoughts, of recognizing that a thought's going to pop up for you and it may not be a helpful thought. 
that a situation is going to happen and you're going to have some options for how to interpret it. It doesn't crush down the negative and make no room for it. It acknowledges the negative. So the situation where my husband made a comment that hurt my feelings, if I am being um, toxically positive about my experience of that, I'm going to just make no room for what I experienced and just say, well, you know, he's a great guy. We have a great relationship and just gloss right over this, not acknowledge what was difficult for me. When I'm practicing positivity, I'm going to take a look at what popped up for me after he made his comment and I'm going to stretch the possible ways I can interpret this. I'm going to add to my experience and suggest some other possibilities. Another place that we can use this practicing positivity is when we're looking at an outcome, particularly with anxiety. We might think of the worst possible outcome and taking some time to practice and imagine a better outcome, a good outcome. Um, your brain is actively creating the possibilities. And so it, our brains will tend to go to the negative for these possibilities. It's how our brains are wired. We talk about that negativity bias that in order to keep us safe and alive, our brain is going to go to think about the negative outcome, to prepare for it, to survive. And whereas this is a great for survival, it's not great for thriving in your life, in your modern day life. And so practice positivity is diverting that current that's going to happen naturally and saying, let's try, let's try imagining this outcome. So if you're anxious about a big meeting coming up, it's normal for your brain to want to practice all the things that can go wrong. And practicing positivity means actively trying to imagine these things going well, or these things going average. If you're really concerned and really worried about something, that practice of stretching your mind and stretching your thoughts moves you out of the automatic into a place where you're actually creating a thought. You know, we have, over 6,000 thoughts a day. Most of those are not going to be created by us. They're going to be automatic. But if we spend some time creating them now, then our automatic thoughts are going to get more positive. They're going to get more helpful to us. doesn't mean that we ignore the reality that what we're experiencing might be negative. We might be nervous. We might be hurt. We might be frustrated. But we're practicing positivity. We're trying some other things on for size. We're trying on some other viewpoints and letting ourselves stretch a little bit. Now, it does doesn't work for most of our brains if we just choose something that's totally unbelievable. It's just not going to stick and our brain's not going to feel comfortable. And so if you're very worried about this meeting and you're imagining, actively imagining it going horribly, just imagining it going okay might be exactly what your brain needs right now to stretch, to practice that more positive outcome. So it does not have to be, you know, that you're going to go and win the most valuable employee award after your meeting. It can just be that it's not going to be a disaster. I think I've told this story in another podcast. I, this is a problem with having memory issues. I have no idea what I say. I can't remember. But uh, one of my daughters was selected for this special program and she was excited about it, but she was nervous and anxious because she didn't know what to expect and she didn't know the people that were going. And so her brain was going to all the ways they could go wrong. And we were talking about this as like, and I suggested let's practice thinking about the ways this could go right. Let's think about even the best case scenario, you know, like what could be the best thing possible? She said, well, the best thing possible would be that I would win a scholarship based on this program and, you know, it would be amazing. And so she, her mind went there and she kind of closed her eyes and was picturing this and she started laughing and she's like, why? Well, it kind of turned on me. Like I pictured that great outcome. And then all the people were like, well, she's not that great. Why would, why would she get that award? And everybody kind of turned on me and we, we laughed about it. And it's funny, right? There's, and it is, it's funny because our brains do want to protect us. They go to this worst case scenario. And so her brain is very 
practiced at imagining a future that she's got to prepare for, imagining a more negative future. But her ability to imagine a more positive outcome is a skill that can be practiced. And the worst thing that you can do is start to feel negative about your negative thinking. I remember when I was a child, I was young enough that I had never heard this concept of the glass half full and half empty. And somebody came to our classroom, elementary school classroom, to do this motivational kind of talk for us. And he had these two glasses of water, asked us, show of hands, who thinks this glass is half full? Who thinks this glass is half empty? And, you know, me being an anxious little child, I definitely raised my hand for the half empty. And he then went on to say, well, you guys are the pessimists. (laughs) And I remember I felt so bad about being a pessimist. I was negative about my negative thinking. I thought, wow, that's horrible. I, you know, I see this so negatively. And I ended up feeling very bad that I was a quote unquote pessimist. And the reality is, is that our brains tend to be wired for this way of thinking just to survive. Our brains are interested in surviving. They're not so interested in thriving. Our ability to be able to stretch these thoughts to create new habits do exist, but we don't want to get bogged down with eliminating the negative, especially in our thought life. Thoughts are going to pop up. That first thought's automatic. What you do next, sometimes you have more choice over this. Like, you know, the first thought comes and when we're aware of that, we can create a second thought. And if you're someone who deals with rumination, if you're someone who deals with intrusive thoughts, you may very well have more of these intrusive, negative thoughts pop up. These first thoughts pop up. And it doesn't mean you have to believe every one of them. It doesn't mean that you have to do battle with them. I think sometimes when the suggestions made that you just replace a negative thought with an entirely positive thought, that's that kind of battle, like white knuckling this thought. And that's really not shown to be very helpful for people. Actively practicing some of those positive thoughts, some of those things that you want to believe stretching your automatic thoughts. That's what I'm referring to when I'm talking about practicing positivity. It does not require that all the negative thoughts are gone or any negative perspectives are gone in order for you to practice positivity. It's a much more sustainable and helpful and healthy way to work on our mindsets. And I want to touch really quickly on the idea of growth mindset. If you're not familiar with growth mindset, it is the understanding that we are all born with certain abilities, certain skills, but that we can grow. And so then even if somebody, there are people that are born with more optimism, with more of a natural bent to that way of thinking. And so for those people, this might just come a lot easier. But even if you are someone who is not born with that wiring, you can strengthen this skill. So if you're like me and you failed the optimism test as a child, there is still hope for you, I promise. Okay, so wrapping up today, thank you so much for joining me for this episode on toxic positivity versus practicing positivity, the differences and what we can do about that. Thank you so much for joining me. I want to let you know about an interview that I'm doing in a couple of weeks with Dr. Reeves and Dr. Reeves, there's two of them. They are auditory processing disorder specialists. And I was fortunate enough to be connected with them and had a lot of questions about ADHD and auditory processing disorder, where it overlaps, how they're different and what kind of options are out there to support or treat auditory processing disorder. And so I'm going to be interviewing them soon. If you have any questions about this topic, please send those to me. You can reach me on Instagram or Facebook at the ADHD Clarity Coach or my website, the ADHDClarityCoach.com. I'm doing this interview because it was very difficult for me to find answers for my clients that were asking me questions about auditory processing disorder. And I was fortunate enough to get connected with Dr. Reeves and this is kind of her jam. Tune in for that interview because it should be a lot of great information. So that's it for today and see you next week.